What's up, folks? I do believe we are live. This is Tony Brewer. You're listening to Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds, and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28, Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me. My countenance changed in me. But I kept the matter in my heart. Now, we're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it. Today, we're going to talk about rearing children. Before we get into the meat of our podcast, I would invite you to support me as a podcaster, www.patreon.com forward slash near churches. You can also check out digitalbiblestudy.org, digitalbiblestudy.locals.com. And if you want to check out everything Digital Bible Study has to offer, that would be great. And if you support that, that helps me inadvertently. But if you want to help me directly, Patreon or sending me a PayPal is the way to go. Now, let's get into the podcast. On the Cogitations Facebook page, which I would invite you to follow, I shared a meme from Babylon B. Babylon B is actually political satire. And they shared a meme of a child looking at a cell phone, a teenager, and a young mother looking, well, it looks like a young mother. Actually, that woman could be his girlfriend. She's so young looking, but we'll say it should be a mother. And she's looking puzzled, befuddled, like what's going on? And the text in the meme is parents baffled that one hour of youth group a week, not effectively combating teens 30 hours on TikTok. So just as Uh, A point of order, if you're a parent and you give your children unfettered access to a a cell phone with the internet on it, you are begging for trouble. You're borrowing trouble. In fact, if you're a parent and you give yourself unfettered access to a cell phone with TikTok or social media or the internet on it, you're borrowing trouble. You need to self-police and you need to police your children because that's your job. Now, let's get into Uh, the Bible, because I do want to go to the book of Proverbs. Since this is about rearing children, I'm going to go to the verse that everybody knows, everybody knows to quote, and uh, we're going to look at that. And now I am looking at my live stream feed. I didn't realize, well, I guess I did realize I'm wearing a black shirt against a black background. So uh, I look like a floating head, a big, hairy floating head. Anyway, we'll, we'll live. Um, you don't listen to me because I'm good looking. At least I hope you don't. If you think I'm good looking and that's why you're listening, you need a checkup from the neck up. What's up, Brandon Dreschner? Good to see you. And uh, listen, for those of you that are tuned in, there's a couple of you here. I, I don't, I, this, my, my Facebook page doesn't get a lot of traffic on it because I haven't really promoted it a lot. I haven't spent a lot of time growing it. Uh, but if you would, share this, invite your friends, all that good stuff. Now, Proverbs chapter 22. Everybody knows Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. If we don't watch this, we're going to teach some Calvinistic ideals of predestination. I actually have heard this verse prescribed, prescribed, ascribed to uh, religion. Listen, in the context, this verse has nothing to do with religion. Well, I say nothing. It doesn't have... It has relatively nothing to do with religion. It was a foregone conclusion that your religion was going to be Hebrew, a Jew. 
uh, a, a follower or practitioner of the law of Moses. So you you were going to train up a child, and if you just trained up a child to live in society, that child, the the audience of the book of Proverbs, that child was going to grow up a Hebrew. So this is way more about just being in general and way less about religion. But I heard this applied to religion growing up saying, well, you know, we're just giving you the best rate, quote unquote, raisin we can. And we know that even if you fall away from the faith, because we trained you, because we trained you up in the church whenever you were young, that, that you're going to be able to come back to it, or at least uh, you won't depart from it. And that's, like I said, that's, y'all, that's borderline Calvinistic. Let's talk about what this verse means in relation to rearing children. All right. Now, first off, I'm going to go back all the way to Proverbs 22, verse 1. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, loving favor rather than silver or gold. This passage of Scripture, this chapter of Proverbs, is a a list of Proverbs that can be taken by themselves, but every one of them, if you take them collectively, talks about the metaphysics over the physical. In other words, I would rather have a good name, a good reputation, than a million dollars. One thing about it from a very practical way, if you have a good name, if you're dependable, if you're known as a fellow who is Johnny on the spot, it wouldn't it be a lot easier to get riches? Think about that. Now, verse 2, the rich man or the rich and the poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. This this goes to don't have a victim mentality. Donald Trump and me, and I say Donald Trump, not as president, maybe Donald Trump, Bill Gates, Donald Trump, uh, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, rich, those rich guys, they have something in common with me. God made every one of us. He gave every one of us with the same baseline opportunity to be good in this world. I go all the way, all the way back to Genesis chapter 4. God comes to uh, Abel, excuse me, God comes to Cain. Why are you wroth? Why is your countenance fallen? If you do not well, or if you do well, will it not be accepted of thee? And if thou doest not well, then sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be its desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Meaning, you will enter into a copulative relationship with sin. And we know from James chapter 1, the progeny of that is death, chaos, the opposite of order, the opposite of peace. Every one of us is born with the same opportunity, regardless of what echelon of social order, regardless of whether or not the system is oppressive or anything like that. If we work hard, if we don't play into the victim mentality, then our lives will be exponentially better than what they would be if we didn't do well, if we bucked the system that God created, as it were. Now, let's keep on to verse 3. 
A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. This word hides himself, don't think about hiding from cowardice. Hiding is a form of protection. So the, the prudent man, this again, can you look at your surroundings and do you have you enough wisdom about the way things are that you can look at your surroundings in the present and extrapolate from that and have some kind of map plan going into the future? That's prudence. If I can, if I can see what's going on now and I can extrapolate from what's going on now how that's going to play out into the future, then I can hide myself from evil. But the simple, those who cannot do that, they pass on. They don't worry about it, but they're punished. They have not as good a life as they could have if they were prudent. Verse 4, by humility and fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. By humility and fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Now, it may be that you have to take a very long view of riches, honor, and life. Take, for instance, the Christian. The Christian should, well, I'm going to say will, does work from a standpoint of morality. The Christian ethic is built on the morality of God. And if you're a Christian in a job, you are going to adhere to a certain moral code that may preclude you from advancement in this world because you won't work all these extra hours on Sunday and forsake the assembling of ourselves together in order to get ahead. You won't be cutthroat when you probably should be cutthroat. Uh, but although you're not going to rise up the ladder as worldly people think you should, you're going to retain your integrity. You're going to have a good name. And if you are, if you are shrewd as serpents, harmless as doves, to pull a, a platitude out of context, then you will have success in other areas. In other words, I think about uh, this television show called Parks and Recreation, and there's this character on there that's a bumbling buffoon, uh, Jerry Gergich or Gary Gergich. Um, his name changes throughout the, the seasons as a way to show that he's not respected by the people in the Parks and Recreation Department of this uh, uh, imaginary town called Pawnee, Indiana. But there's an episode where uh, the main protagonist goes to, to the, this Jerry Gergich's home, and this, this guy has three daughters, and they are beautiful. I mean, they are quintessentially beautiful. They are society's standard of beauty. Gary's or Jerry's wife, I have a problem calling his name because his name changes. I'm just, call, I'm just going to call him Jerry. So Jerry's wife is the quintessential standard of beauty. She's way supposedly out of his league. But whenever he's at home, he is the king of his castle. He plays the piano. They sing. He's, he's coordinated. He's respected by his wife and his children. He is, I mean, he's the man, all right? Humility and fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. This man, he wasn't cutthroat. He wasn't 
the way the world thinks you need to be in order to be successful at a job, but he didn't care. He had spent 30 some odd years in the Parks and Recs department, and it was just a job to him. Where he wanted to excel and be good was for his family. So just because as a Christian, you don't play the game dirty, you play by your ethics are guided by God's morality, God's morality law, moral law. You're going to have much more success in a different way or in a different area of your life. Now, I promise we're still talking about rearing children and we're getting to this. All right. Um, let's keep going. Cause I got, I got a lot more. All right. Thorns and snares are in the way of the perverse. He who guards his soul will be far from them. This is, this is, par- this is antithetically parallel to verse four. Um, the perverse person has no humility nor fear of the Lord. And so he won't have riches and honor and life. He is going to be, uh, snared in thorns. So. You might be the guy at your job that's cutthroat, that'll do anything to get ahead, that'll work all the long hours and forsake the assembling of yourselves together, that'll forsake spending time with your family, and you'll be the CEO, you'll be the multi-billionaire, but you won't be able to develop meaningful relationships with those that are closest to you. So if, if if that's your goal, well, more power to you on the earth. But in, in my opinion, that's, that's living a certain kind of hell, to be honest with you. I got, hope I, I've got something going on weird with the video. The recording is going to be fine, but I hope the video ain't messing up. Uh, anyway, let's keep going. Now, verse 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. You know what is implicit in here? You have to know your child, and you have to know how he should go. For instance, let's say your child has a proclivity towards working with his or her hands. We'll say, I'm a male. I teach from a male perspective. Let's say your child has a proclivity for working with their hands. For instance, um, they, uh, they build things. They can, tear a, they can tear stuff down and rebuild it, and it works, and maybe it even works better. Maybe that child needs to be an auto mechanic. Maybe they need to be a computer uh, builder, like my, my son wants to actually build computers, and I don't, I don't mean he wants to write code. He wants to literally build computers, uh, s- chips and stuff like that. I, I don't even know enough to describe it to you. He does. Well, if you know your children well enough, if you take the time to know them well enough, you're going to be able to see their particular proclivities and their talents, and you're going to be, and you're going to, able to be able to look into the future and extrapolate from what you know now and be prudent in training them in the way they should go. And they will much more easily find their purpose and lead a fulfilled life. Now, that gets us into the meme. Parents are surprised that one hour a week of youth group doesn't combat 30 hours of TikTok. The internet doesn't know your children. The internet are changing your children and is antagonistic to your ideals and values. It is up to you to know your children enough. It's up to you to be, to prize a good name above riches. It's up to you to not be a victim, verse 2, 
and to teach your children not to be a victim, by the way. It's up to you to be able to be prudent and foresee evil and guard against it. It's up to you to be humble, to know your place in the, in the, in the great machine that is life, and to fear the Lord. It is up to you to not be perverse, to be a moral individual. And it's up to you to look at your children and be able to know what's best for them and be able to take them in the way they should go. You know what that means? That means if your five-year-old child comes in and says, I really wish I was a girl and, and I like playing with Barbie dolls, it is up to you to be able to tell that child, hey, you're not a girl. You can play with Barbie dolls. You can like soft, feminine things, but that doesn't mean you're a girl. You're a boy. Because that child doesn't know the difference. You see, everything that I just read from Proverbs 22.1 to Proverbs 22.5 cannot apply to a child because that child, his, its brain has not even developed in its frontal cortex to be able to understand the long-term effects and consequences of actions in the present. So it's up to you. You're the line of defense. You're the one that is to train that child. You're the one that is to use your fully developed prefrontal cortex to be able to understand the decisions that child is making in the moment and how they extrapolate out to the future. Everything from Proverbs 22.1 through Proverbs 22.5, you are supposed to be for your child. Y'all, that's difficult. My wife and I were talking about this the other night. Whenever my, whenever my children were young, I had a lot of questions. I had a lot of concerns. I wasn't nearly the man that I am now. Probably in a lot of ways wasn't the man I should be. But there's one thing I've never wavered on. There's one thing I've never thought, I've never had any questions about, is how my wife and I were rearing our children. I've heard so many parents say, oh, I just, I'm so scared that we're not being good parents. I'm so scared that we're doing things wrong. I never experienced that. I have always been fully self-assured that we were very, very good parents. Why is that? Is that because I'm, I'm arrogant? Is that because I'm deluded? Is that because I'm a fool? No. It's because I had the guidebook. Everything I did was from Scripture. We had, we had a very strict set of scruples for our household that was shaped and molded by God's Word. We protected our household with extreme prejudice. And we protected our children from a lot of stuff. And we instilled in our children a sense of identity separate and apart from us and made them independent actors in the world. And I'm telling you, my, my son is 20, my daughter is 18. They are very formidable young people. I was talking to my daughter, and I'm like, look, there are, there are so many problems in this world that you're not going to have to overcome because you are such a formidable young woman. You know yourself. You have a, a mental clarity and a mental strength 
a mental strength that just isn't present in a lot of these young people. And I watched these documentaries. I watched a documentary about a, a fat camp in the United States of America. You know, the, the Western culture is dealing with an obesity crisis. I'm, I'm not patient zero, but I am patient. I'm, I've, I gained 100 pounds the first year I was in preaching school, and I haven't been able to, to, get, to, to get a handle on it since. That being said, I, I, I don't have an eating disorder. I don't have a mental deficiency. I just, I just know that I, I take in more calories than I burn off, and I know what to do. I just haven't dug in to do it. But when I see these kids, this documentary crew, talk about these kids and talk with these kids and talk with the adults in, this, in, this, in these children's lives, well, this is just a disease. This is not your fault. We need to help you combat this enemy. The, being, being obese is something that happened to you. It's not something that you did. And these kids are weeping. They're crying. They feel worthless. They're suicidal. Because what they're being told is, you are everything you need to be, you are enough, you are perfect just the way you are, yet they're experiencing life from a severe deficit, and they have such an internal dissonance and conflict that it cannot produce anything but chaotic thoughts, malignant thoughts. It's psychopathy. And it's because the adults in their lives it's, it's systemic. The, the adults in their lives haven't got it together enough to be able to make them healthy. The adults in their lives can't even focus outwardly enough on their children to train them up in the way they should go. So in order that when they get old enough to guide themselves, they, they can stay the course. They're like ships unmoored, just blown around, tossed to and fro by, by, by a tumultuous violent sea. So when it comes to rearing children, the first thing you do is you work on yourself. And you may say, well, Tony, it's too late for me. No, it's not. It's never too late because the, the more you can work on yourself and make yourself better, the sooner you can start positively affecting your children. So anyway, something to think about. Everything goes back to being prudent. Look and see what's going on around you. Extrapolate from that and see how it's going to play out into the future. Can you live with it? Take your children. Get to know them. Spend enough time with them and know them enough to where you know how they can go into the future and give them the best possible platform from which to launch their lives so they can have the best possible chance of a fulfilled life here on this earth, carrying them into the next life. I don't know. I think that's all I've got. I hope that this video is decent on uh, Facebook. I have a feeling it's not because, I, anyway, that's all I'm saying. If you're listening to this on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, and some other places, please subscribe. Go to Cogitation's Facebook page and, and like it and follow it. And again, consider uh, becoming a supporter at 
www.patreon.com forward slash near churches and get in the book, get people around you that will make you better than what you are and pass that along to your children and don't give your children unfettered access to a cell phone that's got the internet on it. That's all I've got here, folks. God bless you. This has been Tony Brew with Cogitations, and we'll catch you on the flip side.